You are here to give people of this area the encounter with God that they deserve. You are here to break ropes of bondage and speak freedom to captives. Every day, everywhere, all the time. You aren't to be in the temple outside the walls of the city. This city, this city needs you to be who you really are. Freedom fighters, rope breakers, city changers. You're listening to a message at Grace Church of Alma, a place where the curious, bored, and discouraged can journey together toward a full life with Jesus. The people I bring in the Grace Church, we bring them in because their giftings are different than the ones we have in the house. It's important that you guys kind of get a full, uh, rounded spiritual diet. How's that sound, right? So uh, if I'm like your Wheaties, and no, I'm just kidding, uh, how about pastries or fruit? What kind of fruit do I like, are you asking? What kind of fruit would you call him? He's like mangoes. Would you say mangoes? Does that fit right? So in your diet, you're about to get some mangoes, right? It's, it's very nutritious. It's sweet. You're really going to enjoy exactly. him. Exactly. And so Pastor Wayne and his wife, June, are special to us. We bring them in here uh, twice a year. We, we search for years to find the right fit for us because, you know, the Holy Spirit is such a crucial part of your relationship with God. But sometimes we need someone to teach us how to do this in a normal way, to be supernatural, a very natural way. And it's a gift that this guy's got. So if you guys would, would you guys stand with me? One last time. It's the last time you guys stand for at least half an hour, right? Your legs starting to burn yet? Let's go ahead and pray over them. Father, we just thank you all for Pastor Wayne. Lord, we just receive uh, Pastor Wayne and his entire team this morning. Uh, Father, we believe that you are a God who is near. You are a God who speaks to us. And you're a God who cares enough to take the time to speak to us. And so, Father, we ask, Lord, this morning that we be open and available uh, to connect to you in a deeper way, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, good morning. Turn to somebody and say, this might be good. <laughs> it's so good to be with you, and, and uh, I love your church. I always love coming. I brought some very special people with me today. I brought, my, of course, my wife, June. Can you wave at everybody? And, and uh, 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 Deborah Ellsworth from our prophetic team back in Russellville. She and her husband... Uh, uh, manage a bunch of properties, <laughs> lots of business. Uh, my son-in-law, Ben, right here on the front row. And this is my daughter, Esther, on the left, who's been traveling with me some and, and, and ministering with me lately. And this is my granddaughter, Madison. I think I told y'all a story about her last time we were here. And they'll be joining me a little bit later on, and we'll see where things go. You doing okay? Well, since 2017, I think I look back and I've been coming to your church twice a year, and I've been talking about uh, gifts of the Spirit, hearing from God in prophecy. I talked about the language of heaven. I've talked about being naturally supernatural, which is really the goal that I have for my life, being naturally supernatural. And, and usually I've, I've picked a topic along those lines, but today my message, I believe, is a prophetic message. And a prophetic message is a message that you feel God wants you to bring at a certain time. It has a timeliness about it. So this is a message that it may be for the larger body of Christ. I'm waiting to see if you guys stay with me the whole time, then maybe I'll preach it somewhere else. If you leave, that may show me that I shouldn't do it. It's called The Danger of Playing It Safe. The Danger of Playing It Safe. So let me ask you a question. Do you remember where you were uh, September 11th, 2001. Put that picture up. 
You probably remember that, that image on your left, uh, the uh, World Trade Center, planes flying into it. It changed our life in, in almost every way. Well, I'll tell you where I was. I was in that hotel on the right side. It's called the Hotel Klein. I was in Frankfurt, Germany. And I'm walking through the lobby. I'm going to speak that night. I'm going to lead worship at this church called Christ Center Church. And I walk in the hotel lobby, and on the television, just as I walked in, I saw the planes fly into the buildings. And I thought, is this a joke? You don't think it's real. Then you realize it is real. And I'm sitting there, my mind is swirling. My dad has just had a stroke at home. He's been asking for me. I'm trying to get home, trying to leave the next day after I speak that night. And then, and then fear just took over everywhere. I started seeing policemen and, and soldiers were all over the place. All, and, and the hotel manager came and he said, you need to get to your room and lock the door. You're an American, right? And I said, yes. So, and so I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what the implications could be. And then the pastor of the church I was going to that night, Pastor Rudy Pinky, he called me up and said, uh, look, we don't know what this means, but they've found a terrorist cell about six blocks from your hotel. And if you, it, it may be just good that we shut the meeting down. And, and what, do you want to come and do the meeting or do you want to just stay in your hotel? I said, well, let me pray about it. So I, I, I said, Lord, is, uh, what do I do? I mean, I was, I was scared. I was, you know, there's all kinds of things going on. I said, Lord, what do I do? And he said, I didn't bring you here at this point in time to play it safe. So that's all I needed. So I called the pastor and I said, no, let's, let's do the meeting. And uh, did a, we went out and, and led some worship that night. And all, and all across the front row, there was a group of kids that had never been there before. And they were, were uh, rough-looking street kids. I mean, you think we, we tat up over here. Those guys tat up over there. It means tattoos, because I'm cool. I say tat. And so we had, and, and they had piercings everywhere. Their hair was, was very creative in its color. And, and they're just kind of sitting there scowling at me. And, and, I, and I got the sense they were coming to see what this American might be like. And, and, and I didn't know if they were there for all kinds of reasons, but they're on the front row. And the Lord just, right as I'm leading this song, he said, ask them where they would be right now had they been in that hotel. So I just stopped and asked them, where would you be right now if you'd been in that hotel uh, today? Uh, not the hotel, but in the, in the World Trade Building. And then I just, I just gave them an opportunity to give their lives to Jesus. And, then, and there was this groan that came out of them. And they just started running forth and just falling on their faces. Didn't even make it to the altar. They fell on their faces on the floor. And then there was another groan. And it was like parents and friends that were coming and just holding onto their feet. And I saw a bunch of those kids get saved that morning. And I don't know what's happened to all of them, but I know some of them have turned into being champions for the Lord. And I'm so glad in the middle of all that danger, I decided not to play it safe. Now, I needed a word from God because I would have played it safe. I like safety uh, as much as anybody. And I, there's te imagine, terrorist cell just down the road. You're an American. You don't know what's going on. And then I found this quote later on from a German writer from, Frank, from Frankfurt, the town I was in, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. 
He said this, dangers in life are infinite, and among them is safety. Dangers in life are infinite, and among them is safety. Let me tell you, people of, safe, people of faith are not here to play it safe. We're here to stare down danger and overcome it. We're here to stare down and face down danger. Turn to Acts 17, and I'll join you there in just a minute. The early believers in the book of Acts faced danger on a daily basis. After walking with Jesus, the, the, the Word made flesh for three and a half years, and then being filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, these common, ordinary, Alma-like, Ozark-like, Russellville-like people, normal people, became uncommon, extraordinary people who changed the world. They walked on the edge of danger. Much, much of the Western church today avoids danger, opting to, for a play it safe, keep things chill, don't make waves sort of mentality. They like to play it safe. Let me just give you a glimpse of the early believers' impact in Acts 17, starting with verse 5. Now, I don't have this uh, on the screen today, so you'll either have to just trust me that I'm reading actually from the Bible or pull out your Bible app, or you, some of you may even have some of these old things called... So he turned to Acts chapter 17, and read from verse 5 through verse 9. Now, <clears throat> just after Paul and Silas had been miraculously released from prison, this is what happens. Verse 5, the Jews were jealous. Whenever God does something through his people, it makes religious people jealous every single time. It says the Jews were jealous. Uh, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. Does sound familiar? Say Hong Kong. They rushed to Jason's house. Now Jason was a part of the 70 that Jesus had sent out, the 70 disciples. And uh, later on he was made a saint by the Catholic Church. And he's a, and uh, says so they rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. When they, had, when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world, one translation says, turn the world upside down, have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. <laughs> so giving hospitality to Christians was dangerous. They are all denying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. Oh, my gosh. And when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. <laughs> if you're a Christian, if you're just sitting in here today, you're in danger. If you associate with those wild Jesus people types, you could be in trouble just by letting them come into your house, just by meeting them for a, a coffee at Starbucks. You could be in trouble. The religious, the religious leaders saw them as a danger. These people who have turned the world upside down have now come here too, causing trouble, bringing danger. Have you ever felt that the Lord asked you to do something dangerous? To some that might be sitting in a different pew on a different side today or maybe parking in a different parking space, <laughs> that, might, that might be uncomfortable, but I don't think it rises to the standard of being dangerous. Danger comes from a French word meaning anything involving perilous, risky, chancy, or unsafe behavior. During the Jesus movement, when our church was starting in Russellville, uh, the churches in town, not just people, people thought we were kind of interesting, but the churches uh, thought we were dangerous. I kind of like that. 
I loved it that the, that the churches around town thought we were dangerous. Now, later on, as we went along, we, we got cleaned up and cut our hair and, 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 and started, you know, wearing shoes and things like that. And, and uh, we, we became known as that sweet and humble church that are into unity. They're so sweet to go to their church. They just love everyone. They're so unified, and they're all about unity. And you'd love it to go to their church. They're so quiet and peaceful. And I just wanted to gag when I started realizing what was going on. But, but I prayed a, a dangerous prayer in 2009. I was reading through the book of Acts again. I was struck by verse 6 again. I remember praying, Lord, I don't want my church to play it safe and yawn through predictability. There's got to be more to life than that. There's got to be more to life than that. Then I prayed, send us some people who are fearless, even dangerous in their faith. Well, be careful what you ask for. And then I heard in my spirit, Fellowship of Christians, now called City Church, back then we were Fellowship of Christians. Fellowship of Christians is to be a safe place for dangerous people. Fellowship of Christians is to be a safe place for dangerous people. That was good. We could get close to danger, but we didn't really have to touch it, per se. We're a safe place that dangerous people can come. But almost immediately, a ministry to at-risk teenagers started coming to our church. <laughs> they called themselves Adulam, and they, they were a wild bunch. Uh, let's put a picture of them up. This is, this is after they got cleaned up. Uh, Imagine this group of people coming into your church and, and taking over in their attitudes. I mean, they, 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 they upset the apple carts of, of, safe, of safety in our church, it felt like. Uh, and almost immediately, they drug us into reaching out to the poor and the homeless and the other dangerous kids in our city. They were, they were at church, and one of them went in the bathroom, and a lady from the church came out, and she said, we can't have those people in this church. They're wearing, they're wearing earrings, and they're wearing, they're wearing tattoos, and they're, and, 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 and they're, saying, they're saying words that, that I don't think we ought to say in church. And so, these at-risk kids were a mess. They weren't church kids, just the opposite. They got radically saved, and they were naive enough to believe that whatever it said in the book of Acts, they could do it. And they love to go into dangerous environments to rescue dangerous people. They scared me. So I asked their leader to be our youth pastor. <laughs> he and his wife became our youth pastor. And we were, we were again a dangerous church because those dangerous kids were over there with us. And we were a safe place for dangerous people. So I asked the Lord what to do. And he said this. If you'll receive the ones nobody wants, they will become the ones everybody wants. One of those kids was an African-American kid out of, his own, out of his own mouth, referred himself as a thug. He had like seven brothers, all with different fathers, none of which ever lived with the mother. And came to junior high, he was so bad and he was such a thug that he was about to go to jail. This group of Doolam took him in and let him live with them. He became... He, he, uh, he went from flunking out of school to be the first African-American kid in Russellville High School to graduate with a four-point. Yeah. 
so we made him our children's pastor. <laughs> His name's Anthony, and he's doing a remarkable job. He's a teacher in Dardanelle schools right now, and he's just an amazing young man. I'll bring him here sometimes. But, uh, and then suddenly, Anthony, those guys are the ones that everybody wants. Our church became a safe place for them. We, we love being a safe place for dangerous people. We said things like, come, come all you are heavy laden, Jesus will give you rest. Just chill, kick back, and watch the Sunday show. That's all you got to do. <laughs> no. Dangerous kids aren't looking to play it safe. They're looking to change the world. They helped me remember that I had that attitude back in the day. I began to wonder if I've been playing it too safe. I felt so alive when I was around these dangerous kids, even though folks in my church were saying, now be careful, Wayne. You know, we don't know. These kids may start to affect our kids. <laughs> and I said, I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Church kids can be the worst. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm close to danger, aren't I? <laughs> In 2012, the Lord challenged me again at our 40th anniversary. He led, I, he led me to a very dangerous scripture, perhaps the most dangerous scripture in all of the Bible, Matthew 28, 19. King James says, Go ye and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I remember praying, Lord, what has happened to our go ye? Where did our go ye go? Are we playing it too safe? And I heard the Holy Spirit say, you've been a safe place for dangerous people, but I'm changing it. You're going to become a dangerous place for safe people. As I looked around, I observed we'd become more about maintenance than about mission. Our elders prayed about it. We heard the Lord say this to us, don't let the Jesus movement become a monument to Jesus. The word movement it needs to still be in our vernacular. We need to be people that are in movement, not in maintenance. Somebody say amen so I don't get scared. Okay. The Holy Spirit showed us three keys to move from being a safe place for dangerous people to a dangerous place for safe people. Number one, determine to let the Word and the Spirit flow together in equal measure. Fifteen years ago, Bible teacher R.T. Kendall said this, I believe God is going to withhold the phenomenon of signs and wonders from the church generally until two great things coalesce, the Scriptures and the power of God, the Word and the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit are about hearing and seeing. The early saints prayed in Acts 4, 29 through 31. They said, prayed, Now, Lord, enable your servants to speak your Word with great boldness. I don't think they were talking about a Sunday school message. Inside safe walls. Let us go speak your word with great boldness. They hadn't invented Sunday school yet. And then he said, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, we don't want to freak guests and visitors out. We, we saw all that thing about being uh, visitor friendly, and we kind of went that route for a while. Uh, but we must not hinder the flow of the Holy Spirit or deny Him His place beside the Word. The early believers walked with Jesus 
who was the Word made flesh, but it wasn't until they were filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost that they were empowered to break out of their safety and to become witnesses for Jesus and change their world, turning cities upside down. Well, the first key we found is determined to let the Word and the Spirit flow together in equal measure. The second key we found was this. Create a faith environment to move beyond the safe zones of getting more information to the danger zones of culture transformation. I know that's a lot of words there. I know this is a charismatic church, but <laughs> I think you can handle it. I think you can handle it. Hey, that's why we're here. So we focused on a couple of things that you might want to think about. We focused, instead of just having another great meeting on Sunday morning, we started asking, how can we transform the culture? How can we transform the city? Go beyond the church building. Go beyond family ministry and to all the other mountains of influence that are there. We believe that everyone in our church has a pulpit. Now turn to the person beside you, put your finger right in their face and say, you have a pulpit. Okay, let's say it with some conviction now. Put that finger right in their face, right near their nose and say, you have a pulpit. You have a pulpit. You got a pulpit. We started celebrating uh, that we would refuse to see a sacred secular divide. Churches everywhere. It's in us. Wherever we show up, guess what? We're having church. We're like walking arcs of the covenant, the presence of God. We're like the mobile ark. We, we walk, wherever we walk, we need to be seeing everything change. We started celebrating victories, especially those beyond our building. We ask everyone to update their language and, and their testimonies. We, we try to avoid insider words. You're walking behind somebody down the street, and you're listening to them. And they're talking to each other. Have you seen the body at Alma? It's a really cool body. God's walking behind us. I thought those two were Christians. They're talking about some body up at Alma? We, we, we had, we just little things we started changing our language about and not speaking in, in church speak, but in language that everybody could understand. And we, we started updating our stories from tell me your story. Well, 20 years ago in the Jesus movement, no, we said... What has God done with you this week? We want to hear stories about what God's done with you this week. Who did you talk to? Where did you go? What happened? We started moving in prophetic evangelism, using the gifts of the Spirit to partner with evangelism, hoping to become naturally supernatural. Third key. This is a hard one. Make peace with the fact that people who choose the safety of maintenance over the danger of mission might leave. We lost some folks, and we miss them. And we hope we've, we've established a bridge that they can walk back over when they want to. But we're seeing a vibrancy return to our church with new people coming most weeks. We're moving beyond the safety of our building to embrace the danger of mission. It's still scary. We're out at Redding, California last week with our church staff, and, and we're out there at, and go to this restaurant. We're going to that Bethel Leaders Conference. We're at this restaurant, and this, this, this waitress walked by. It didn't take a lot of discernment to see she was really stressed out. And I just said, ma'am, uh, do you need some prayer? 
And she just stopped and said, I sure do. And then my friend David Howell, who is our campus pastor, said, does the name Jason mean anything to you? She looked at him like, are you crazy? And before she could answer, my other friend Chris said, you know, Jason, the one that owes you some money. And then she said, oh, that Jason, he does owe me money. Yes, I need some prayer. We started praying for her. She opened up about her daughter, how they were estranged. She's in tears. She's crying. Other waitresses are starting to come around. We were just sitting there having a meal, but we remembered, shoot, we're dangerous people. Gifts of the Spirit shouldn't be confined to the four walls of the church. Lord, what do you want? Well, ask her about Jason. Lord, what do you want? Tell her that guy owes her some money. He's going to bring it back. Offer to pray for her. That's hard. That's hard. It feels dangerous. My daughter Esther uh, works for Walmart. She's a buyer for Walmart, and she's had an idea. And we prayed about it. She was going to Washington, D.C., and we prayed about it. I had her word. I said, Esther, this is going to be significant. Something's going to fundamentally change. She's had an idea that could impact, have a national impact on single moms if Walmart really goes with it. And it's looking like they might. See, Esther has a competitive edge over a lot of other buyers because the Holy Spirit speaks to her. So people ask her, said, how did you know that? How did you figure that out? And she's thinking, well, it wasn't, I didn't actually figure it out. Someone spoke to me called the Holy Spirit. Well, it's time to get our go ye back. It's time to get our go ye back. I'm bringing go ye back. I'm bringing go ye back. That's what we need to say. I'm bringing go ye back. 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 We're bringing go ye back. We're bringing go ye back. <laughs> I'm getting really scary now. We're seeing multiple people impacting our city in multiple ways in multiple environments. I'll give you a couple of examples. There's a grade school called Dwight Elementary that one of the guys in our church learned from the principal that, they, that a lot of the kids didn't have a father. And he said, could I just come and have lunch with whoever wants to? So he came, and then kids started gathering. Now we've got four fathers that are going every week. They're just sitting in the cafeteria, and there's a line of kids wanting to just sit with a father that their principal said is safe. Now, we, we've gone to another school now. It's a school called Oakland, and it's, it's a school with a high percentage of migrant people who have their mother and dad, but their mother and dad are working all the time, and in their culture, the grandparents do a lot, which is increasingly what we do in our culture, right? They, grandparents do, but they don't have grandparents. They're still in the old country. So they had Grandparents Week. So we took a whole group of grandmas and granddads and they, and they go into the school, and they're sitting, in, and, and we're assigned a kid that doesn't have a grandparent, and we're just eating with them. And these kids are just telling us about their life. And, and tonight, we're having a worship meeting in their cafeteria. And one of the families in our church lives over in that area, and we're going to start, we're going to start having all kinds of opportunities to help that area. We want to see those schools transform for the glory of God. And the principals are saying, we can see you're safe but we know you're a little dangerous. We're willing to take the risk. And, and I'm telling you, people have been looking to the wrong things for answers. The government doesn't have the answers. They're wealthy people. 
per se don't have the answers. Your football team, we know this, doesn't have the answers. <laughs> the Holy Spirit has the answers if we'll just let him make us just a little bit dangerous. This church, like our church in Russellville, from my perspective, seems to have a healthy focus on building church and on building family. And I think that's wonderful. But not all of you are involved on the staff of this church or in church work per se. Not all of you are involved in family ministry. But there are other mountains of influence that we are called to, like education, business, media, arts, entertainment, and government. One of our guys at home has a realty company. He started a thing called Properties with Purpose. He challenged the realty, realty people, and his, he said, would you mind giving a portion of your profit to a ministry to the poor in Russellville called the Rust Bus? And they did it, and it's been very successful. Now, the other realty companies who don't have the best motivations in the world, but wait, they're getting all this positive attention. Uh, uh, they're going to get ahead of us. We got to do that too. <laughs> so now, all over town, these realtors are starting to, maybe a little bit begrudgingly, but they're they're giving money. And so this ministry of the poor, we're building stuff and we're doing all kinds of things for homeless people because of that one businessman's idea. We started regular prayer meetings with the mayor, and he he comes to us and gives us his prayer list once a month and tells us exactly how to pray, and we're in a, a big mess at home about the whole casino issue, and the mayor and the county judge are fighting, and the people are polarized, and, and we thought, well, what do we do? Let's just walk right in the middle of them and say, we, we have some answers, and they're listening to us. And the mayor's letting us pray with them. The sheriff is showing up and letting us pray with him. We're starting this thing called City Sessions. You might have seen our first thing for you musicians, our City Sessions. We, we, we're putting out songs on YouTube, just songs. They might be Christian, they might not be, but we're putting out some good songs that'll have something of God in it. There'll be some seeds of danger in those songs. If you listen to them, the first one is called Beautiful. You guys probably remember the song by David Eslick called Beautiful. You might look at it. And we're getting, we've got 2,000 views in the first day. I mean, it's incredible what the Lord's doing. Uh, I've got a question for you. What if we quit saying, eh, I'm just a little uncomfortable, it looks a little dangerous, I'm a little scared, I'm an introvert. More and more people are hiding behind that. You know, I'm an introvert. You still have a call to mission. <laughs> Great commission is for introverts and extroverts. You can't get away with it. I've tried and you can't get away from it. What if you, instead of saying, it's uncomfortable, I'm scared, what if we said this, we are no longer afraid of danger. We are the danger. <laughs> what if we no longer said we're afraid of danger, but we started saying we are the danger. We are the ones that's going to turn this, this city upside down for the cause of Christ. If you are a believer... You're here to be a dangerous, transforming agent who strikes fear into God's enemies. You're people of God. You're full of the Word and the Spirit in equal measure. Now, some may choose the safety of maintenance over the danger of mission. We all get to choose, and that's okay. Not everybody. Sometimes you have to kind of ramp up to being dangerous. Can you start? Maybe you can start over here by just being a little risky, taking a little risk, you know? Ask that gal at Starbucks, can I pray for you? Walk into Walmart and 
You see some single mom struggling to pay for something and say, hey, could I pay? Could I pay that for you? Take a few risks. I want you to get this. Every believer, every believer, puts your finger in someone's face and says, that means you. If you're not a believer, we'll take care of that too. Every believer has a pulpit in the mountain of influence they've been given. The church will not move from maintenance to mission by playing it safe. We will not. It's time the church moved beyond a safe place for dangerous people to become a dangerous place for safe people. I'm going to tell you something that's going to shock you. In high school, I was a basketball player. All five foot eight of me. My coach put five eight and a half just to make me look better, but I was only five eight. Probably not that much now. Well, I learned something in basketball. I was a point guard and, I, and, and a leader on the team. And, and I learned something in basketball is that you, you don't get on your heels. Because if you get on your heels, first thing you have to do is get on your toes and then move. So you teach basketball players to get on your toes so you're ready. If you have to move this way or that way, it's step one. It's not step two, like on your heels, step one, step two. And I'm doing this because I want you to remember this. I'm going to ask you, if you, if you want to join the ranks of being a dangerous believer in Jesus Christ, if you want to be used by God, wherever your pulpit is, in school, in your neighborhood, in your business, in government, wherever it may be, if you want to be a dangerous person, then I'm going to ask you to stand where you are, and I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to, I'm going to ask God to release a dangerous mission in your life. Some of you will just be recovering a mission you already have. Others, you're already on your toes, and I'm not trying to say it, not everybody is. But if you're here and you would like for me to pray for you, if you'd like to break out of being a safe place for dangerous people, you'd like to become a part of a place that's a dangerous place for safe people, I want you to stand up wherever you are and I'm going to pray for you that you're going to change your world. Hallelujah. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to get on your heels. Just, now some of you may need to hold on to something like I would. <laughs> get on your heels. And then, and then I'm going to ask you, so you'll remember this. I want you to say this to Jesus. Lord, get me off my heels. Let me lean in and get on my toes. Now, wherever you are this week or next week, I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. I want you to remember this illustration and ask yourself, am I on my heels or am I on my toes? Am I playing it safe or am I the danger that they've been looking for? All right? I'm going to pray. It looks like everyone stood up. I want to pray for you. Put your hand on your heart and get on your toes. Hold on to something if you have to, but get on your toes. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I know this is a healthy church. I know they, they do wonderful things and lives are being changed. But Father, there's a city out there waiting on them to come. There's a restaurant out there with a, a lady who's drowning in stress that needs someone to talk to her. There's some kids that nobody wants that if we would want them, they would become kids that everybody wants. 
there's some thugs out there whose true calling might be to, to be a children's pastor. Lord, we need to go find them. Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name to get us on our toes and help us not to play it safe. Help us become the danger that people are looking for. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat. Was that okay? All right. I'm going to ask uh, Deborah and Esther to come up here on the stage and join me. And I've asked them to see if God would give them some prophetic words. And I have a word or two for, for you as well. As they're coming, let me give you a, ch a word for the church. Come on up here and they'll give you a microphone. Now, this, stay with me. This word seems a little weird. You, you'll have to stay with me for a minute. But you're, you're used to that. You just heard my message. Okay. You remember the book Gulliver's Travels by Jonathan Swift? It tells the story of a man named Gulliver being shipwrecked on an island called Lilliput, inhabited by tiny people who are less than six inches tall. I want to play on that basketball team. <laughs> when he wakes up on the beach, he finds himself tied up by hundreds of tiny ropes. The Lilliputians feed him, but they don't untie him. They build a big cart to carry Gulliver to their capital city, and once there, they keep him chained inside a large abandoned temple outside the city walls. He is eventually released from his ropes and becomes a champion in their army, but he falls out of favor when he refuses to support the emperor's desire to enslave a neighboring tribe, and he embarrasses the king by making water in the wrong place. But he escapes and goes on to more adventures. Now, this is a satire about aligning with a religious spirit over true religion or true morality. Oliver could have simply flexed his muscles and broken those tiny ropes from the tiny Lilliputians if he had just realized it, but he played it safe and let fear keep him bound. Now that's context for what I want to speak to this church. I had a picture of Gulliver tied up in an abandoned temple outside the walls of the city. I believe it is a picture of the church in our area, not just you, it's in my area too. By offering acceptance based on your agreement, a spirit of religion would try to bind you with tiny ropes, but you mustn't let it happen. You are called a non-religious Christianity within a sometimes harsh Bible Belt religiosity. You are not a people of religion. You are a covenant people of relationship, relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Religion lulls us into playing it safe by worrying too much about our reputation and man's acceptance. Our reputation is in Jesus, who made himself of no reputation by becoming a servant. Religion makes us bound up in our man-made temples, living under man-made rules. Grace Church was not meant to be tamed or bound by tiny ropes of religion. You are here to give people of this area the encounter with God that they deserve. You are here to break ropes of bondage and speak freedom to captives. Every day, everywhere, all the time. You aren't to be in a temple outside the walls of the city. This city, this city needs you to be who you really are. Freedom fighters, rope breakers city changers, dangerous people.